This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, everybody, and welcome to, not if not necessarily a special edition of Disaster Girls, a new, new-ish edition of Disaster Girls in what An we're going to cover this week. Experimental, yes. It is... It is, and your guides on this experimental journey uh, will be me, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And today, as we teased last week, because you surely tuned in, um, we are doing the first of a two-parter. We're doing a a mini-series, a uh, two-installment event, Eve of Destruction. And this episode is part one of those two parts. It's so one thing that caught me off guard that I had to keep checking over and over and over again was what year this film was made. Because it's later than you think, I feel. It's later than you think. Yeah. I'm really excited that we're launching into the made for TV movie part two parter thing and that we're giving this a try because of the fact that I would say most of my disaster divaness was really shaped by. The NBC made-for-TV movie Halcyon Days of the 90s. Oh, okay, and okay. In particular, the film the, the Beast, which was a Peter Benchley um, movie about a giant squid terrorizing a Pacific Northwest town. Is that also a two-part event? It was a two-part event. Okay. I have both DVDs for because <laughs> the last thing I ever rented on Netflix and then just never returned. Oh, like you got, you ordered the hard discs from Netflix. I ordered Netflix. like from wow, Netflix okay. and never put them back in the mail. Mm-hmm. And then they just became after a while mine. And I think I paid like $70 in late fees. Oh, wow. Bought it myself. But the point being that these, this is, those made for TV movies from the, from the late nineties, those were some, those were, were television events for six people. And I was yeah. one of those people. Yeah. They were events. It was event TV. It was. And, you know, you would you would have the one episode airing one week, maybe like on a Wednesday night, and then the mm-hmm. following week it would air, and then you would just have to wait. There was no binging kids. <laughs> kids. But what's weird about this is that this film comes out not in 1997. Yeah. Not even in 2002, like one might, like it feels as if it were. It does. It feels <laughs> early 2000s. It feels so early 2000s, and this is a movie from 2013. Yeah. Which- Fucking bananas. I'm yeah, it is, it is kind of nuts. And this movie, it's like they found it in a time capsule. Yeah, it does. It is. It's like it should have, it's like it was in the can somewhere for a decade. Yeah. And they just, what, what was that? Isn't there that movie that came out that has, that has um, Tom Holland and like Daisy, Daisy Ridley? Yeah, and you're just like, wait, when did they make that film, though? And it turns out it was made in, like, 2015. It was made, it was, like, they made that shortly, because Daisy Ridley was cast in that when it was Mm -hmm. kind of the sensation around Daisy Ridley of The Force Awakens, which I'm pretty sure came out in 2015. And that was still, that was on the very tail end of, but when studios were still trying to snatch up YA trilogies... Right. And so the Chaos Walking trilogy. And so I remember when that got announced and it was still a big deal because Tom Holland was new, but Daisy Ridley was a sensation. And it was it was a YA trilogy. It was kind of like, I think we're a little late for that. It 
needed to have existed five years earlier than it was announced to have been on time for the YA trilogy craze. Yeah. Because nobody, nobody saw that movie. Nobody saw that movie. They, I'm sure, I wish I could have known at what point everybody knew it wasn't going to be more movies. But that was also, no one saw that movie because it came out like three weeks, three months ago. Yeah. But it was filmed five years ago. Oh yeah, and that was definitely, that was, I I feel like there, there is a batch of movies that came out in 2020 where studios were, I feel like going, thank God there's a pandemic. Yeah, new mutants. Because they had been looking for some way to get these things out the door. Yeah. Without any, without having to like really apologize for them. Yeah, this, so this movie has the feeling of the new mutants, which again, a movie that was, came out that that has come out now like five years after it was filmed. Yeah. This movie was built, was released in 2013, but it could have been filmed in 2001. Yeah. Oh, definitely. If not for the fact that like they name check things like um, Occupy Wall Street, which really threw me off because that's at the point where I was like, did they predict the Occupy movement? <laughs> yeah. No, they did not predict or create the Occupy movement on a made for TV movie. It's just that this yeah. movie feels extremely dated even without being needing to be. And this is and this is as a reminder, this is one of those weak we're going to create a black hole disaster movies. Yes. We're going to pioneer energy that's nearly free and like eternally sustainable and it's going to create a black hole. And in this movie, the precursor it seems to the creation of the black hole is these like lightning these like electrical <laughs> catastrophes yeah. that look like aurora borealis over the affected areas but then result in the entire grid basically t- coming alive and burning communities down near where this like dark these dark energy reactors are being tested yeah, so it creates these lightning strikes and then the lightning strikes cause the internal wirings of the houses to apparently just implode yeah. And it just huge raging infernos. And uh, we learn that first because we get a, an extended flashback. One thing that I that didn't... they don't do, indicate is a flat. It doesn't seem no. like a flashback, right? It does. They really don't. I, the reason I, I was it was confused. a flashback... The only thing that made me think it was a flashback was just the fact that it like felt a little sepia-toned. Yeah, okay. And so I was like, oh, you guys, this is supposed to be a flashback. But also... That's not entirely true. I also kind of knew because when I first started watching it on Tubi, it started playing the second half. Oh, okay. And I was like, and it was doing the whole like previously on, but they didn't say previously on. Yeah. So I got this really quick, like compiled thing of all the events that were happening. And I was very confused. Yeah. Cause and- what this, what this looks like when you watch it is just a disaster movie cold open yeah. where you see, oh no, this is the effect of the technology or the weather thing that's going to happen. And then everybody else in the movie is going to find out about it a little later mm-hmm. and then be like, oh my God, that's what happened when disaster strikes. But it, it start, it's it's like a cold open, so you kind of think it's a concurrent timeline, but it turns out it's a flashback. Yeah. And the main guy, the guy who's in it, it takes place in, the flashback is in Russia. So we fought, like we meet this Russian guy a little later on in the story. And I was like, 
was paying attention at the beginning, but I guess not close enough to not realize that the woman you meet later who is his wife is different than the first wife. Oh, very different than the first wife. For starters, the first wife, yeah, the first wife is Russian. Yeah, and so, but I was like, oh, I don't, like, why is she, I was like, why is she not Russian now? (laughs) Like, I I didn't understand the, I was like, I, I thought, like, Again, this movie like feels yeah. older than it is. I was like, is this movie so budget that they just let her stop being Russian at a certain <laughs> point? Like, were no, they it's just like, like the scrap Americans? It. It's the Americans where then they came to America and she lost her her accent to be a, an, an undercover spy. That's what I was very <laughs> unclear on. And so when we find out later on that this like this marriage he's in is unhappy, mm-hmm. but he and he's like mad at his wife because he can't have kids. And honestly, they're both he like yells at her for being an alcoholic. They're both alcoholics, and yeah. it turns out. This guy is married to a woman who has no fucking idea that he was once fully married with a child and two they children. Were, two children, and they were killed in a freak electricity meltdown of their town that wiped it off the map. Like, and so he has this resentment at her, and she feels like she's let him down, but he has never disclosed this unbelievably massive part of his recent past to her. It's not like this was 50 years ago. He's like roughly the same age as he is in the flashbacks. And like we learn all of this because our guy Ruslan, the the Russian man, is at work. He's an electric line work, electric electricity line worker. He's at work, and his buddy is like, "Your wife's staying with us because you guys are in a bad way." And hey, this is actually your fault. And when he's like, "You need to tell her what happened to you," I was like, "Okay, wait a minute." It's all coming together that what we saw was a flashback and this man's entire family was killed in a electrical phenomenon similar to what we're seeing happening again in this movie. And he's just straight up not told his wife about his former dead family. No, but he has told his co-worker who I'm pretty sure his co-worker who and i'm pretty sure the co-worker is married to i think it's his brother-in-law sister of yeah i think that the co-worker's wife and ruslan's wife are sisters i think so that and that I was unclear so. because that, they're it, like it feels, mom yeah it felt that was the vibe i got was that that was the sister so her brother-in-law knows about this tremendous trauma that his, yes. that his husband is carrying but apparently he does not. And, and I was really, like, I loved Ruslan from the beginning. I was I, No, I was immediately like, this movie's yeah. not going to be about Ruslan, and I'm mad about it. No, Ruslan, good father, just trying to do his best, wants to lay some pipe down with his wife, but gets called away for work. Yeah. The actor himself is six foot five. He is He's a, a giant. Human. He's huge. Six foot five inches. At one point when Steven Weber punches him and knocks him to the ground, I just started laughing. I've seen it, Steven Weber in real life. It's very important that we emphasize that Steven Weber punches out two men in this movie yes. in just part one. Just in just part, part one, Weber. it is a thing that like yeah. super physicist Steven Weber lays out two men with yeah. a single blow. And the first guy, like, fine, I'll go with that. I will go with yeah. Eco- first guy's an eco terrorist. a punch, like whatever. He he, and that happens after Steven Weber gets pied in the face. Yeah, which. Like, okay, you know what? If an eco-terrorist pies you, he's going to, that if that's the best thing he's got going for him, he'll get knocked out with one punch. Right. But six foot five bear. Yeah. Bruce Lawn. I'm sorry. Like, Stephen Weber is like five, six. It was hilarious. It's a to slight, see. and he is a slight man. It was it's hilarious just, to see, and then he picks yeah. up a fight. Because, like, what happens is, is, like, 
Ruslan is, is, is like sort of the only living memory of the first time this reactor thing happened yeah. in another part of the world. The whole thing was buried. It's a secret. Nobody knows. Not even Steven Weber. Well, once this electrical phenomenon starts happening again, Ruslan is like, I know what this is. I've seen this. I'm the only survivor, basically. So he starts trying to, like, go to his bosses and go to, like, I don't know, people in charge and be like, you have to listen to me. You have to listen to me. He never says anything specific to get them to listen to him. He just yells, you have to listen to me, and then gets very upset when people escort him out of the building. But it's like, how about you fucking say something? Well, it's it's like how when you're a kid and you have to say, I have a question before you ask a question in class or it doesn't make your question legitimate. But then the children will, the child will continue to talk and ask the question. That is once true. They, like they once, well, if you get a child, if you, good luck getting a child to try and stop talking when they have a fucking question to ask <laughs> you. But Ruslan, he sees that Steven Weber is like the head scientist on this. Basically, it looks like the Large Hadron Collider, like this thing that's going to yeah. be shooting a particle beam that's going to create like an energy drill that's going to what they don't know, I suppose, is that it's going to create a black hole. So he sees this guy's name on like a board like, oh, so that's the scientist in charge, finds the guy's house, Stephen Weber, goes to the house, demands to speak to him, forces his way in again. His daughter opens the door and he's like, I gotta talk to your dad. And she's like, um, okay, I'll go get him. And he's like, no, I've got to talk to your dad. It's like, use your fucking words first of all like stop just barging your way into places and saying i need to talk to you say something so when he barges in obviously steven weber is like sees this huge man in his house who's intimidating his daughter so he reacts quickly but his reaction is Mm -hmm. to like punch this man across the face and somehow put him on his ass yeah just knocks him down he has to shake it off and then he he's able to to get his words out finally yeah and then ruslan finally finally says like this was my village it was wiped off the map my whole family died you don't know what you're doing so that is when in an already uneasy steven weber because things have been starting to get more and more dangerous finally becomes aware that like okay maybe there is something crazy going on here and then that is going to lead us into our part two experience because the part one ends on a real disaster cliffhanger um but yeah there what we have is steven weber and his co-scientist are leading this like particle thing and they work for treat williams the evil Mm -hmm. billionaire and evil billionaire is sleeping with the superconductor specialist on the team who when she's introduced in the story i fully thought it was his daughter i thought it was his daughter too i 100 thought it was a daughter until they wake up in bed next to each other not his daughter it's everything about it feels like he introduces that he they're taught he it feels like he's introducing them for the first time yeah the, and like maybe like, she's home gala. from college or something yeah and me, then we find out that she works at the desk next to them so it's very yeah. confusing um but and she's like talking about doing some extra research and then he's like i think that she should have some fun for a few years and i'm like yeah oh, okay that's a dad who doesn't get why his daughter is so involved in the science yeah and, and she's like super precocious and she's always been really driven and he's and like relax she's like 23 and treat williams yes. looks is treat williams age yes yeah very treat- much grown man who's been a who's a veteran actor of decades Treat Williams is also doing something that feels just shy of a Jack Donaghy impression this whole movie. Right. Yeah, I hear you. Like everything about the way that he's carrying himself, everything about the way that he's acting is like if you put Jack Donaghy inside of a disaster movie. Which so, does, which which functions effectively. Works perfectly. No, Treat Williams great, is great exactly where this movie is. Yes. No, this is a great character choice. No complaints here. Yeah. I'm just saying 
take that in mind when then he is like being patronizing to the 23 year old. Yes. And then it's real off putting when they wake up in bed together. That was really disturbing. And he's like, Oh, and she's like pulling clothes out of the closet. And he's like, who said you could move clothes in? And it's like, why is Treat Williams having a fling with his daughter? Yeah. It's really, it's, it's quite troubling. And yeah, he, of course, like, you know, he has her in his pocket, even though she thinks she's like probably thinks she has him in in her pocket. Yeah. And another wrinkle to this, because we have our eco-terrorists who, and this will play into my dream casting eventually, one of the eco-terrorists is played by Catherine Isabel, who mm-hmm. I'm sorry, don't you don't make Catherine Isabel an also ran. You don't you don't do that. You Nobody puts Catherine Isabel in a corner. I'm shocked and appalled to see her as such a side role. So she's she's part of this eco-terrorist group and the daughter of Steven Weber. Yeah. She is a pretty annoying disaster movie child. And oh. she, of course, is going to rebel against daddy because he's a shitty father, mind you. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, he's that's a my shitty thing. father. I, I, I will say, like, this is one of those cases. Most of the time when we have shitty disaster children, it's like, why are you so shitty? But in this case, you watch it, you're like, oh, because your father is actually a textbook narcissist. Like, to the yeah. point where the dad is late for their father-daughter therapy yeah and then basically spends the whole therapy session when he's like i don't think this is important and the daughter's like i think you're clinically depressed and the dad is like let me tell you why i shouldn't have to be here with you it is because sometimes you have to sacrifice things for me well and also but like it's important to note that the depression thing the depression comment comes second because they're in therapy and the therapist is like what would you know what's the one thing you want to tell your daughter and he's basically telling her he's yeah. like you're the most important thing in the world to me but the thing i need to tell you is that there are more important things in this world to me yeah. <laughs> than you where he's like you know i love you but like you've got to chase your dream you've only got one life to live you've got to go after your passion your passion's important it's like so what you're telling her dad is that in fact everything is more important than her yes. and her answer she pretty much lets him off light When she just like, and the therapist is like, okay, what do you want to tell your dad? And instead of being like, yeah, all of that is going to cost you your one child, you asshole. She says, I think you're depressed and you've been depressed since mom died and that's been 10 years. So she effectively tells him, you've not been a father to me for 10 years. Mm -hmm. You've been involved with nothing but work for 10 years. She doesn't read him the riot act like she should. She tells him she's worried about him because she's sure he's depressed. Yeah. And it's like kiddo you had your shot here and you didn't even rip him apart you just like told him you think he's depressed which is like surely true and the movie i think the worst thing to me that this movie does in the first part Mm -hmm. is that it continually reinforces that he's a shitty father he even like touches base with her later on down the line you think oh maybe this is going to be like a moment of reform for him oh my god i wanted to thank you for setting up that appointment with dr stone and Uh the daughter's like sloan Dr. Sloan. He does, and like it reinforces again, he doesn't yeah. give a shit. He doesn't care. And she he's like, you know, if you want to be treated like an adult, you have to be treated like an adult all the time, not just when you want to. So they they keep reinforcing what a bad dad he is. And yet, when the daughter does fall into the hands of the eco-terrorists and starts joining them and is like, I'm t- I don't believe in anything my father does either and I think he's a danger to the world. I'm going to help you guys. We're going to go to my house. We're going to break into his computers. We're going to commit espionage and I'm going to totally fuck him over to help you guys, eco-terrorists. They, there's this moment where like the guy who sort of lured her into the eco-terrorist gang is like looking through a photo album. And for some reason, the movie decides to give us a moment where eco-terrorist guy who's trying to take down Steven Weber is like, you know, 
besides what he does, your dad seems like a pretty good father. It's like, uh, wait, 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 what? I'm sorry, what? No. What? What is this movie doing right now? He's no, the movie expects us at every turn to fucking root for him as a father when the whole... And keep in mind... When it's also <laughs> going out of its way to illustrate what a horrible father he is. He, at what, so the shitty father part that you called out about him getting the therapist name was wrong... I thought you were going to pick an entirely different moment, which is when he calls his dog. We have a buffet. <laughs> There's so many. And it's so rare that you and I don't line up on these things. <laughs> but for me, when I was like, what the fuck? His daughter is now at the eco, has run off. Yeah. Is at the eco-terrorist encampment. Yeah. He calls her and is like, where are you? And she lies and says she's at someone's house. Yeah, I'm like, I'm at Izzy's house. <laughs> yeah. And in the background, you can hear, like, the techno music that is required to be listened to by all rebels. Right, yeah. And so he... Because the DJ has arrived at the protest. Yes. And he's like, well, if I called Izzy's house, would her mom confirm that you're upstairs? And she's like, yeah. And then he hangs up, and he picks up the phone again, and he calls an old man. And I was like, ah, oh, this will be Stephen Weber calling to confirm and realizing that his, doctor, his daughter isn't there. And then he's going to have to run and leave the collider, and he's to, to go find his daughter... Well, no, and I, I didn't even think it was going to be, I thought he was going to call, like, his fixer friend who was going to go, like, scare his daughter straight and, like, pick her up, be like, hey, Alexi, you know, you owe me that favor? I thought it was going to be, like, some, no. like, dad espionage bullshit. No. No. It's he none of the above. his fucking friend in the random town, like, he calls a random Russian friend that he happens to know and is like, hey, does this, ha does this town exist? And the Russian friend gets all shifty. And is like, oh, you shouldn't be asking questions about that because it's the town that was destroyed destroyed by the collider and the yeah, light. it was the one that Ruslan told him about. Like, yeah. my village was destroyed; it's gone. And then I guess that's it. Stephen Weber then is like, well, good to know, thanks, and goes to sleep with no further concern about the whereabouts of his fucking daughter. No, it, it was teenage daughter who has run off into the night. And and we and, and that we have that the the character who begins to to coax her back around is the guy who lies to her, manipulates yeah. her into joining the eco-terrorist group, and then is like, your dad doesn't seem so bad as a dad, you know? It's and like, it's also, actually, like, probably 22, the, by the way. The one thing that you can, the one thing, you like, he's actually, yeah. he's actually better at his job than he is being a father, and you want to take him down for how he does his job, and you're sitting here advocating for him as a father? What the hell is going on here? And she, he's like, yeah, like my dad, it's old, you know, the only place he ever took me was like Walmart and this place. It's like, yeah, because taking your kids on trips is, uh, means that they couldn't have possibly emotionally neglected them for like mm -hmm. the other half of the life they've been alive. Like if mom's been dead for 10 years and he's been depressed that long, when were they on these trips when this kid was like seven? Yeah. Because and she's a child. What fucking ego terrorist is like, wow, safaris, that's awesome. Yeah, like, ooh, look, <laughs> Moscow. Look, wow. What? Like, wow, you've traveled the world. What's your carbon footprint, bitch? Like, no, I'm sorry. You would look at that. Like, this dude would look at it and be like, wow, what a privileged, sheltered yeah, life. Yeah, what a rich, silver spoon brat you must yeah. be. Like, the, all it the photos. Because the photos are from, like, around. It's like Moscow and on a safari and somewhere in Florence. And it's yeah. just all over the goddamn world. This is clearly a girl who has never had any concerns financially. Like, she's going to college on a full, with full payment. She, there's no concerns here for this child. Well, and also, when we meet that eco-terrorist guy, we meet him, and he, like, he's involved in, like, an activist incident, and he, like, gets an arm wound. The mm -hmm. first two scenes we see this guy in, he's having a cut on his arm treated. 
Yeah. Like, we see him in one, and he it's, like, shortly after it's happened, and he's, like, getting treatment, and everyone's like, yeah, awesome work, man. And then the next time we see him, it opens up in, like, the the activist sort of protester arena where they're camping out and, like, you know, shouting down this, this multinational corporation. And for some reason, it's just, we open on another scene of him, like, getting an open wound, the same open wound treated. It's like, okay, this isn't that big of an injury. Like, he has a cut on his, we're featuring this twice now. And, like, I just, I, 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 it's not the guy's fault who's playing the character, but this character sucks. Oh, yeah. No, he's, I mean, look, this character sucks from the start. The character is an adult man who is catfishing a teenage girl. Yes. Like, he is very much, there is no world in which, this this guy is going on, like, nighttime raids of of grow houses yeah, of, like, bioengineered um, agricultural, yeah. like, greenhouses. I mean, yeah, of, of bioengineered what appear to be tomato plants. Um, yeah. A lot of tomato plants. And uh, and he's living in a tent at an Occupy sort of setup and has the time to catfish a teenager. Dude's not in high school. No. No, that's like, that's too many, that's too many obligations. You don't have time. <laughs> too many obligations. You don't have time to do all those things at the same time. So adult man who then on top of all these things, like also is weird and shitty. And then, yeah, he just like, there was, the actor was fine and did what he could with it. But that's a real fucking losing battle that you're going to be going off of when you're Mad Hatter 69 or whatever. his Yeah. His- <laughs> when you're Mad Hatter. Yeah, it's just, I feel like it's it like it's interesting watching this play out over two parts because it's like, well, obviously this was enough time to have made this entire disaster movie in because we've we've watched many disaster movies of this level yeah. take place within that like hour and a half time limit, and this is an hour and twenty minutes long, and so it's interesting to have it stretched because I don't oh, feel it's, like it's filled. It's with- a, this is a fatty movie, yeah, and I don't, but like I wasn't. I wasn't feeling bogged down. Like, I, it, it obviously isn't going to need to end up being three hours. But no. it was just like, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I'm so curious to see how, what the pacing is going to be of the second one. Because we've had some disasters. It's, it's, I'm glad we've had a couple disasters in the first installment. Like, we get to yes. see two towns burn to the ground, basically, because of this accelerator activating and making everything go bug fuck and homes are burning down and people's lives are being destroyed. And like, we have treat Williams who's like, you know, he's going to do the science at any cost. We have the government in like getting involved and basically being like, you know, well, we wouldn't want this technology to fall into the wrong hands. Then we have the eco terrorists who are so sure that they're going to like stop this guy. And now like Steven Weber's getting wise to something being really wrong. So, you know, he's going to, he's going to somehow join the eco terrorists or something. Like, I, I feel like that's on the off in the off. Yeah. Well, and so it's he has just, to, I mean, he has to reconnect with his daughter at some point. So it's going to have to be that he's going to end up like paired up with them. I love that. I love that the the security, the head security guy, um, who is just the whole time. Stephen Weber keeps accusing him of violating his constitutional rights. Yes, I find absolutely like sure. Why? Let's go with that. I guess. Yeah. He's like the guy's like. We'll offer you. We'll offer you protection. We think that you're being that you're being surveilled by this through this group. And he's like, "Oh, you're following me now. You're violating my constitutional rights." <laughs> no, no, he's security. You're being surveilled now. Yeah, you're. He's security, and you work for what is apparently one of the most like 
revolutionary tech companies in the world. Why wouldn't you be assuming all of your phone calls are monitored by them? Right. And also he's <laughs> he seems to be employed by this company. This secret security guy is not concerned at all with your fucking constitutional rights. And you have like it's in fact probably this man's yeah. to it's probably this man's job to yeah. it, get by and past and around the law as much as possible for the purposes of like corporate security. This yes. per, this this person's probably has the green light to if necessary dispose of people. Like it's oh, yeah. this guy's job to keep the house clean. So no, like this your guy constitutional right. Who the fuck do you think you're talking to right now, Stephen Weber? Yeah, no, this this dude like this is not the police. This is a fucking fixer. Yeah, this is not this is you're right. This isn't like this isn't the FBI. You're not like yeah. yelling at a government agency which again, that's not mm-hmm. going to guarantee your constitutional rights, but at least there's something to say. Yeah. To a government operative, like, you are violating my constitutional rights as a, like, enforcer of the law. You are breaking it. This person's job is probably to be discreetly operating outside the law constantly. I mean, it's 2013. I know a girl who in 2008 was, like, censored for posting scandalous photos of herself at a party on Facebook. Yeah. Like, and that was enough to get her in trouble. Like, Posting photos of herself with another girl, like biting her boob while holding beers. Yeah, and she got fired from being some being the, some executives' assistants because of it. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Some it was it was a whole messed up thing. I feel like that was that was probably prime time for that mm-hmm. exactly to have happened. Yeah, because we weren't normalized. Not yeah, that it's not like was consequences still- now, but like that was like. OMG, people are, this is the wild, wild west. I can't yeah. believe people would post this on. It was before literally everything made it onto the internet. That was the thing. Like, this was a pre-Instagram. This was like, it was yeah. book, And it was like, how? oh my God, you're posting photos like that of yourself on Inst- on Facebook. And it's like, yep. well, let's introduce you. Let's get in a time machine. I'm going to take you to the future to OnlyFans. Because <laughs> yeah. guess what, Dana, Dana and Gary? Guess what comes up around later? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so the point being, like, so he's, you know, upset that he's being, and the fixer is like, do you know that your daughter is currently with the terrorist, terrorist group who attacked you? And instead of being like, what the fuck? Yeah. Stephen Weber's response is, so you're spying on my daughter now? Like, yeah, yeah dude, because you're not. It's like, yeah, well, you know what? Someone's got to keep an eye on her. Yeah. Because you are, sure as like, shit aren't doing that. The security guard is also probably taking her to swim practice. Right, like she's she's his therapist. He's her therapist. Yeah. He's her father figure. He's her best friend. He's her crush. Like yeah. somebody somebody's got to care because you're not. Yeah, They're like I'm sorry, you do not get to throw stones here when you are that much of a negligent father. But he gets. But again, we're supposed to be like on his side, and it's really the entirely just the work of like in the same way that casting Treat Williams. You're just like okay, I know exactly. Like, you're going to have a bad guy, but there's going to be something about him that's very charismatic. Yeah. They definitely were like, well, we're casting Steven Weber, so you're going to inherently like him. And they really overshot on that one. Well, and, and like, I wonder, like, given how they've already tipped that they're like, get, they're redeeming him. Are yeah. they even going to make him say sorry? Are they even no. going to make him take responsibility at any point for having been a shitty father? Or are they just going to have daughter come around at some point and be like you were right dad because that's what it feels like right now 
Yeah, no, I think the daughter will apologize. I think that he's going to probably like come to realize that the collider itself was a bad idea and unsafe, but he won't regret his involvement in it. Right. And at the end of all of this, because we haven't even talked about the fact that he has lady scientist who apparently Dr. Lady Scientist, yes. Yeah, Dr. Lady Scientist was apparently like his grad student and he was a professor, but she now outranks him. And yeah, she she has the student has become the master, it seems yeah. like. Um and she clearly hints a few times at like having been interested in him and he was too obtuse to notice. Yeah. So I have to assume that like this is going to end with Steven Weber kissing Dr. Lady Scientist and she'll become the new mom to teenagers. <laughs> it's gonna fix everything. Like well, and, and normally I feel like in these movies, normally I feel like in these movies, a thing we would have is that character would already have a relationship with the daughter. Right. And she would already be kind of like this surrogate mom figure. But they seem utterly distant from one another. There doesn't seem to be, they haven't, they haven't alluded to a connection between Dr. Lady Scientist and, and, and the disaster movie child. And so I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. And mind you, as things have started going wrong with the tech, Treat Williams is like, hey, lady, I'm having sex with, uh, you're going to keep playing ball, right? Because like, I can buy you a life. And he is told Dr. Lady Scientist, well, you better you better also play ball. Otherwise, I'm going to pin everything that's gone wrong on you and you're going to be totally fucked. And Steven Weber is left completely in the dark as to any of this back channeling. So he's just getting like increasingly upset with how dangerous this is getting. Doesn't realize that he's being plotted against. And so we've had a lot of a lot of seeds have been sown that, that need to be addressed in part two. Yeah, no, they're they're laying a lot of groundwork right now for the for part for the thrilling conclusion of Eve of Destruction. <laughs> but what they they aren't doing is making a ton of compelling plot. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that is what's difficult. I mean, yeah, there's a whole side thing like Ruslan and his wife, new wife, not old wife. I mean, yeah, the two of them. I I can't ever root for anyone but Ruslan and old wife because they were so charming together. It was very sweet. They were very cute together in the old country and like drinking their vodka and like she had a headscarf, like a little you know handkerchief on her head. Yeah, they, it was very much look at this Russian couple. It was. I mean, they might as well have been living inside of a, one of those giant nesting dolls. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so they but now like we get that whole sequence where new wife and Ruslan are playing marbles with Ruslan's nephew. Yeah. And just the seething resentment between the two of them. Yes. Just the deep seething hatred. And the whole time I'm just like, but I didn't, it didn't have to be, I don't, I didn't have to root for this. No. I'll never root for that. I don't want Ruslan to resolve things with this harpy. I want him to like find a better life somewhere. And I feel like he's going to die. And so I don't. Yeah, but no, see, I'm on her side because he's clearly been a, he's been a big enough dickhead to where the, very emotionally astute line worker co-worker of his who's also i guess his brother-in-law is like you know what what else was she supposed to do man i love it when he's like you nobody's doing this to you ruslan you're doing it to yourself i was like well thank you sage wise male friend of ruslan's thank you emotionally intelligent gentleman no like when king of queens jumped in king of queens jumped in with that and i was like that is appreciated but yeah. in the first scene, I was that just like, "That guy needs to talk to Steven Weber and that, line him the oh, hell man. out." Oh can we? Steven get, Weber needs a friend like that guy. I think that by the end of this, Steven Weber's character should die, and yeah. teenage daughter should get um, disaster adopted. 
by Ruslan yeah. and King of Queens lineman. That's really great. I think that's what I'm that's what I'm rooting for. It seems unlikely. Yes, it does. But it kind of like I feel like Ruslan. I feel like Ruslan's gonna live. I, I or do you think he'll die in the arms of his like pleading wife who finally understands him? Yeah, maybe. I just feel like they can't all make it through. Right. And I would like Steven Weber to die. Yeah, I, like I, I, I mean, not you know in this in this film. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I would like <laughs> Steven Weber's character to die in Eve of Destruction. Sorry. It was just he was said so matter of factly. Yeah. It took me because a I cannot, I cannot for the life of me remember his name. No, none of these characters have names. None of these characters. The only thing I remember, Ruslan. Ruslan's the only character. Ruslan's with a name. it. Yeah. The only character who matters is Ruslan. And that's because he refers to himself in the third person in that opening sequence when he's like, yeah, time for dishes. You have time for children. No time for Ruslan. And I was, <laughs> yes, I love yeah, when you meet a character, when you learn a character's name the, for the first time because they say it, yes. I feel like it'll it has a lot higher sticking potential in one yeah. of these like disaster ensembles where everybody kind of recycles through. Especially when the guy is built like Groot. It's just hard not to remember it. Yeah, and it just, I am, I'm like, I'm hope I'm, I'm thinking Treat Williams has to die. Like, yeah. he seems like a candidate for death. I feel like the superconductor lady scientist who he's sleeping with, she has to die for the sins she's of She's definitely her. gonna, she's yeah. gonna die for being, for being a, a loose woman. Yes, yeah, she's gonna, she's gonna get punished for that. I can't decide if Dr. Lady Scientist is going to die. No, she's going to make it because she has to um, fall in love with uh, Oh right, Stephen Weber. Yeah, right. So she's going to make it. I think that Mad Hatter, White Rabbit, whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, he's going to die. And like it's going to be and, and it's going to be like after he's come around somehow to uh-huh. Weber's side where they're like, He's not going to be on the P-53s side. Yeah, and, like, he might die because his activists, fellow activists, yeah. kill him. Yeah. I think that'll be something along those lines, of, like, a betrayal of, uh, along those lines. Yeah. But I, yeah, I know Stephen Weber's character is the one that I'm like, that's the most expendable. Like, who cares? Let yeah. Him have a mo- Honestly, he doesn't even have to die in the accident. Like, let him die in a motorcycle accident. Like, I don't care. Yeah, let it be an, let it be an off-screen death. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever, man. I would just love to come back to part two and have them be like, (laughs) and then he died. Anyway. Here's, yeah. What, here's what you missed on Glee. And one of the (laughs) things is Steven Weber just like in a motorcycle accident. Oh, oh well. (laughs) Because again, this is in in the list of ridiculous things this movie has us, wants us to believe. I can a hundred percent believe that a super collider causes a black hole, but I draw the line at Steven Weber can punch out a dude and ride a motorcycle. No, that the the, the that ways he, in which they've made him like yeah. this um, maverick of mm-hmm. a scientist is very funny because he's not even playing it that way. No, Steven Weber is not him. playing a swaggering rogue rebel man of science. He's not like. Yeah. wearing sunglasses indoors. Like, th- we haven't made it this hybrid character. He just has these details that seem to present him that way that are completely silly. Yeah, no, this the motorcycle doesn't feel like it's a thing that is like, wow, what a badass. It really feels like, wow, what a midlife crisis. Yeah, It's the most completely. crisis motorcycle ever committed to film. Yeah, it, it's really, it's such a funny, because like nobody, like Steven, Steven Weber looks like an accountant. Yeah. And, like, he, in this movie, he's not, like, behaving the way you wouldn't expect a movie scientist to behave. 
No, this so, whole, the whole movie, he feels like he is exhausted by his job. Yes, very like, much so. The vibe he gives off the whole time is very much probably how he felt about this movie, which was, it's a paycheck. Well, and uh, which is not far off from the daughter's assessment of him. Yeah, So she's true. right. He does seem dissatisfied in his work. He does seem like an unhappy person. Yeah. And that's the vibe Steve I'm Weber getting. is playing this character is deeply depressed, and uh, I just wish that the movie would acknowledge that. Yeah, and, and not be like, hey, look at this cool guy scientist that's yeah. a shitty father that's actually done the right thing all along. It's like, well, no, how about not? Yeah, no one's impressed by this, guys. Let's just move it along. Let's just kill him off. Come on. Now, do we, I feel like we've been making our predictions as we go. Yeah. For, for the next one. Do you have any, do we think we're going to lose another whole town? Before the end of this thing? Because I kind of yeah, want I us think, to. We better. I think we have to lose, like, we have to lose a major town. Yeah. I think that's like, absolutely. Where are they at? Like, what fucking state are they in? Do we know? Who knows? No. Wait. Like, something on the like order Colorado. of, like, I was going to say, I want to say, say like, Colorado. we need to lose, like, Denver or something. There needs to yeah. be something that rises to the level because we cannot have expended our city destruction in part one. That yeah. would make, that would truly render useless a two-part event. We no, have to like, be building up a, to something. It's a suburb. We need something more. Yeah. Like, there has to be. A, like, the entire state of Colorado has to come under. I mean, yeah. obviously, they're creating a black hole. The entire planet has to enter a state of peril, basically. And so, the, you know, I, I keep forgetting that we're building towards a black hole. Yeah. And, I, well, and so I'm very curious to see how epic they can render that thing. Yeah, I'm I'm almost like, or I, I'm almost at the point where I'm wondering, are we actually getting a black hole or was this some sort of a misnomer in the description? Right, yeah, yeah, I hear It really doesn't feel like there's a, I mean, unless the whole it was wiped off of the map thing about the Russian town is actually that it was sucked into a black hole that then disappeared. I thought that they meant it in the sense of like the Russian government covered it up as- No, that's what I thought. And and, and truly my, my, I think the funniest part of this whole first movie is when like there, Stephen Weber is presenting like Mm -hmm. this happened in this town, something awful went on, it's gone, that we have to look into this and his his lady scientist co-captain of this project who has been gotten to at this point who has been had the lean put on her by Treat Williams and so she's just lying to cover her own ass at this point because she's scared she's like what like she's like what the and the whole Russian government just covered it up they couldn't do that not in this day and age it's like ma'am I would not underestimate this is yeah Putin's Russia in 2013 I would not underestimate the ability of the Russian government under Vladimir Putin to cover up the destruction of a small city, like like, a town of a thousand, because he says like it's a thousand people. It was gone off the map. Yeah. Russia's a real big place. And if an area of a thousand people just disappeared, I feel like that government would have a lot of power to make sure nobody ever knew about it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's not as if they're t- we're talking about Moscow. Like, this isn't yeah. a town that any Americans would know about. I feel That's like the, the, the if, Rus- if, if, if all the Russians have to in- do is suppress the news within Russia, and it's not like anyone outside of Russia is going to be like, "Wow, what happened to Stanislavskia?" If a if a town in if a town in North Dakota of a thousand people disappeared, nobody in Russia is going to fucking know about that. Yeah. Nobody in Russia is going to know about that. To assume that that would become world news, no. no. It's just not. 
especially if there is any attempt at intervention to mask that this happened. I mean, shit, we're in a pandemic where hundreds of people were killed working in like nearly hundreds of people were working in meatpacking facilities in middle of the nation states. And that was news in our news cycle for like a week. Yeah. And then it went away. So like the idea that this is just like beyond the scope of a cover up is like, man, what the fuck are you saying? What are you saying right now? Well, it's also so like now we need a threat to rise to the level of like, yeah, mega destruction. Otherwise, there's no point for this movie to continue existing. It, well, it's one of those weird tropes that ha- pops up in disaster movies. And I'm always like, but why? Um, where it's basically where it's someone doesn't believe that government cover ups and conspiracies are possible. No. And it's like, what? you know that line from, from Pirates of the Caribbean, you best be believing in ghost stories, miss? You yeah. Are in one? Be- because you're in one. Yes. Yeah. It's, I'm like, wait, you're working for a company that has successfully hidden from everyone, including their own government, the experimental science that you're working on. You are creating like dark energy. You are creating a new form mm-hmm. of energy and no that one knows has about never it existed you before. You have invented it via science. And you're telling me that an information cover up is not in the menu of options. Yeah. What the? It's like, yeah, it's like, it's, and it's, it's like in a scary movie when yeah. there's fucking vampires and then there's a werewolf pops up and then there's someone who's like, that's crazy. It's like, You've accepted the existence of vampires. You, your friends have been killed from vampires. You've seen vampires, but you just saw a werewolf and you're like, no, this is too much. Uh, this yeah. is, this isn't possible. There has to be an explanation for this. It's like, get the fuck out of here and go find another movie to be in because we have set the terms of this reality. You denying it is just making you the most annoying character on screen right now. Yeah, that's, that, that is a hundred percent what we were kind of, what we're dealing with with this woman is just like, how do you, how do you not believe that that's possible? Yeah. You're doing the impossible currently, and you are explaining something that history has proven people in power have done for time immemorial, which is cover bad shit up. And now you're telling me that, like, what, they're, that's just not, that's just not possible? Expand your fucking imagination. Again, you invented a kind of energy. So maybe, maybe broaden what you consider possible in this world. And stop being so goddamn Pollyanna about it. Yeah, no, I I don't think I can add anything to that. So, so what <laughs> do we do we feel good about forecasting what this movie is really about? I think we can do that after a brief word from our sponsors. Folks, do you love movies, the good ones, even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki might be the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their lives to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts saluting the brave of us who go to the movies by themselves, to comfy sweatshirts and aprons commemorating historic events like the night Florence Pugh made marmalade. Speaking of, you know who loves marmalade, Jordan? Paddington Bear. Paddington Bear? Paddington Bear. Yeah, I was going to say, we better be talking about Paddington Bear. Yeah. And Paddington Bear, they just did a Paddington Bear drop. Yeah, there is, there. you can you can satisfy your Paddington standing needs at Super Yaki right now, actually. And you can satisfy your Florence Pugh standing needs uh, with the movie Black Widow, where she is a ton of fucking fun. So that whole sentence is so now, is so of this moment. Yeah, and just you in case you were, in on it. you were wondering whether or not we do these ad reads absolutely live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Standing Florence Pugh and Black Widow, it's yep. live. 
Yeah, this is us showing the newspaper in the hostage photo to let you know <laughs> that this is proof of life. Um, Super Yaki even carries enamel pins of some of your favorite directors like Hayao Miyazaki and Guillermo del Toro. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to your favorite movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships using compostable poly mailers for an extremely environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as I've said before, I have used those bags as compost bags. Say, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It is. As a special gift to you, listeners, you can save 10% on your order with code DISASTERDIVA. That's DISASTERDIVA, all caps, no spaces. Just yell it directly into the promo code box yes. at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Their Paddington drop is so cute. I didn't, I'm, I, I'll be honest, one of my worst traits is that I haven't seen Paddington or The Godfather. And oh, wow. Yeah, those two movies. Haven't seen either of them. And I, I mean, that accounts for most of American cinema, you know? That I mean, most it, of the cinematic tradition. It, it really, it's running the gamut, but that's that's it. And I, I'm feeling left out with the Paddington drops because they're so cute, but I feel like an imposter. Right, they yeah. Bucket hat. Did you see they had a bucket hat? Yeah, I mean, for Paddington. For Paddington. <laughs> for Paddington. It's really cute. Yes. So but, okay. And now, pivot from Paddington to yeah. Eve of Destruction. What do we think this movie is really going to be about? So, obviously, the movie wants it to be about, like, the hubris of man. Yeah. Which I would say, yes, it is about the hubris of man, but not really the hubris of man, the hubris of dads. Of dads. Yeah, of dads. I think that this is a movie about the way that dads fail their children. I think that's definitely true. Yeah. And I think that the lightning is a metaphor for and a symbol for, like, the narciss- for narcissistic fathers like Stephen Weber and Treat Williams, who probably has some kids that he never talks to. Almost definitely. He absolutely Almost has like, an adult daughter somewhere who's completely grossed out by his da- her dad's string of, you know, child of child wives. Oh, yeah. He sends a lavish presents at Christmas and does nothing to be involved in their lives at any other time. He sends yeah. money on their birthdays. That's it. But in the same way that, like, they can just, you know, bad dads can just strike and just set your set your house metaphorically ablaze. It's true. The safe place that you hold, all the safe spot inside of yourself, set it on fire without any yeah. warning. Yeah. As an adult later on in life, and suddenly you're like, oh god, there's that trauma. No, that's what this dads are a metaphor for black are, are the metaphor here. Are the metaphor for for synthetically yeah. created black holes, all yeah. consuming destructive black holes. Yep. I feel like this movie is gonna end up being about because like it's already making us like, try to sympathize with Steven Weber's character, even though he's done nothing to redeem himself as a bad father. He's only starting to redeem himself for, like, create, you know, playing God with this technology. The movie doesn't seem to like its eco-terrorists either. Like, no. it, it doesn't... They're not really framed as our heroes. They're, they're, they're kind of presented as these... Like, the, the leader definitely is, like, delusions of grandeur. Like, he's, he's not not a megalomaniac. Um... They might be on the right side of the conflict, but the movie does not seem to be setting us up to invest into them as protagonists. Like, they've clearly manipulated Steven Weber's daughter and to, like, bring her... They didn't... She didn't earnestly come to the cause. They were like, let's entrap this child and lie to her. So yeah. they're not good people. So I feel like this movie is going to end up 
like, this movie's gonna end up, like, rooting for the wrong person. Like, this movie is gonna, it's gonna be something about, like, it's not gonna be, like, we're ruining the planet and we have to stop. I feel like the movie has already showed us they're gonna ditch that at a certain point. Yeah. And it's gonna be, like, it's gonna be how, like, they're gonna think it's gonna be about how, like, one good man can save us all kind of thing. One good dad. Oh, for sure. But what it's actually gonna be about is, like, abdicating the responsibility that we all have for like the collective climate catastrophe and like it should be a movie about it should be a two-part special about the hubris of man but it's actually going to be a two-part special it's like going to end up being about how like actually capitalism's good if you just let it do its thing like Mm -hmm. somehow this movie's going to let itself down in a profound way i feel like along those lines because already the people who would be like fighting for the earth on this side of the conflict are already heels in and of themselves yeah so i'm i'm very curious to see how i really feel like in what version of that this movie is going to completely say the ass backwards thing of what it thinks it is i bet this whole movie like what if we found out this whole movie was underwritten by like chevron shell corp right yeah like and, like <laughs> what there's gonna be some like weird element like that we're at the end of it we're gonna be like was this movie was, written by bp like are yeah, they the, the whole thing is pro pro fossil fuels 100 percent. yeah like yeah. is 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 this what we're coming again up against mm-hmm. is like rex tillerson an executive producer of this movie from 2013 yeah. so i'm very is this a steve mnuchin special <laughs> like steven mnuchin it's gonna be very like i can't wait to see how they fall off this tightrope they think that they're walking down the middle of oh yeah no this is the the, i know that there's going to end up being what they think is going what they think is a you know important message at the end yeah it's just gonna be a mess when we get to it (laughs) and we're not we're not fantasy casting because we're gonna save that yeah till till it's all said and done so for right now, these are our predicts. These yeah. Are our, these are our forecasts. And, you know, it's easy to tell you what we're watching next week because we it's, already know. It's the sequel. It's Eva Destruction Part 2. Which is because these are TV episodes, you don't rent them, you buy them. So, like, I watched this on Amazon. Wait, really? It's on Tubi for free, Jordan. I completely missed that part. Oh. So now I own Part 1. Okay. So now I'm going to watch part two for free. Yeah, watch that. But I own part one. Well, that's important. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's important. <laughs> I'm glad that the actor plays Ruslan probably got like half a penny off of your purchase. Yeah, why not, you know? Uh, somewhere cla- like some somewhere some sort of bell is going off, like a klaxon is going off and someone's like so- at Amazon headquarters. Yeah. Someone rented it. Someone finally bought Eve of Destruction part one. There, an episode of Austerion that me and Sam did, our bonus episode at the end of season one, was about, uh, was based on uh, my Super Psycho Sweet 16. Oh my which God. Is an MTV movie, obviously a take on it's my, my Super Sweet 16 property. Oh wow, okay. It's, it's the slasher. Um, it was it's basically what if my, an episode of Super Psycho Sweet of Super Sweet Sixteen was a slasher, and it's actually quite fucking fantastic. I was gonna say that's a great premise. I'm shocked the MTV did that. If you want a DVD, which Sam has all three now, if you want a DVD of those, 
it will take a couple you can buy it on Amazon it will take a couple months to get to you because <laughs> Sam has told me that I, I don't I we haven't I haven't fact checked this and I don't remember what he gave me an explanation but like he told me that they like basically make to order so if you order these DVDs mm-hmm. they have to he was like he has explained it to me is that they have to like basically make them on demand so bespoke DVDs of the My Super Psycho Sweet 16 trilogy. Honestly, I think Sam should just like keep a stockpile in his home and give them out as presents. I think that would be a great idea. Like that that could be like his gift. If that became a Christmas present to me from say, I would I would be over the moon. That would be a perfect Christmas gift. Like anytime like a house guest stays with him instead of like leaving out little toiletries, he just leaves out the trilogy and it's like yeah, he just leaves out my Super Psycho Sweet Sixteen. Well, we will be working our way through the whole trilogy. Oh, I'm thrilled. Um, I learned today actually. Just it is our second most downloaded episode of the entire season. Yeah, because it's the people, such hard to get film. The people are clamoring for yeah. my Super Psycho Sweet 16 is what we learned in that. And clearly, the people will be clamoring for Eve of Destruction Part 2. I'm at least going to be watching it, if not. <laughs> yeah. I, at the very least, will be tuning in. Yes. I can't say much more than that, but I will be tuning in. <laughs> All right, so Jordan, in the meantime, where can mm-hmm. we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jorker, J-O-R-C-R-U. And finally, at long last, my oft-mentioned, uh, for the course of like weeks or months at this point, uh, Neon Demon single-topic podcast that I'm doing with uh, the film film minds, Roxana Haddadi and William O. Tyler. The Neon Demon podcast is finally out. So you can listen to that too. And Ots Tyrion is back for season two. You guys have I'm so podcasting many hours a week of Jordan. over the place. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can you, you'll hear Jordan's voice in your head almost as much as I do. Yeah. Fortunately, I fortunately talking is my greatest skill. So <laughs> I can accommodate multi-pods a week. Yeah. Only two times in your life, like, there's only two eras that you could have been born in, Jordan. It's either this or, like, the 1930s for radio plays. Yeah, like, radio plays. Like, Mm -hmm. RKO, Mm -hmm. War War of the Worlds original radio play status. Yes, that's it. And uh, Jason- I would have been a mogul. I would have been a radio play (laughs) mogul. Super producer. So our our super producer, Jason, is not here today, but you could find him, uh, Jason Halftones, on all forms of social media. Yep. And then I'm Amanda Smith Says on Twitter, and uh, we are disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. Jordan, you look like you're going to say something. No, I was I was going to say R.I.P. to uh, the two B's two of B's. Amanda R. Tubbs. Yeah, I mean, like I, I now have as my in case I ever get locked out of Twitter, or, like banned for something. I do ah. have a backup account is Amanda with two B's is my is my actual backup username. Oh, wow. OK, no one needs to follow that ever. I'm not tweeting on it. It's literally just in case I get banned from Twitter for something. Wow. OK, what a contingency. Well, I, the idea of it, of not being able to tweet, I was like, well, that's a problem. (laughs) If I can't tweet, then I'm just yelling inane thoughts to my dog instead of into the internet and it's not going to end well for anybody. Yeah. And I've got, I've got too many podcasts to be kicked off of social media at this point. So I've got to, I've got to be on. 
Yeah. See, that's the thing. That, that was my other thing. So I was like, how am I going to promote Disaster Girls just from the podcast account? Absolutely not. Yeah, no, no. We've, we, the, the, we, we cannot abandon these, bills, these bases we've built. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to become an Instagram girl like that. There's no chance in hell of that. My Instagram no. is a mess. That's never going to be my vibe. No. No, no. We are not Instagram girls. No, no. Bless them, but that's not us. Yeah, no, it's an amazing skill set that. Yeah, it's a part of the social have. media ecosystem that we are just not. We are just no. not of. No, I turn that selfie camera around, and suddenly my face loses all bone structure. <laughs> How did that happen? I know at one point I had what a functioning. Job. What a phenomenon! It's what amazing. a phenomenon! My whole face just turns into Play-Doh. Anyway, shocking. Anyway, you guys, we'll be back next week for Eva Destruction Part Two. Yeah, in this uh, new edition format, this 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 special, this kind of bonus edition format of Disaster yeah. Girls. And Welcome also, on along, join us along for this event, adventure. We're trying this out, and let us know how how it feels. Let us know if this works for you. If this is a thing you want us to keep doing, because there are a lot of part, you know, two parter. Yeah, I for I, one would like to do it again. So yeah, there's. I mean, I I would love for us to tackle ten point five which I believe also had Treat Williams. And I think it had John from Dukes of Hazard. then he was on Smallville. Oh, okay. John something. Anyway. I feel compelled. John Snyder. And, and a young Kaylee Cuoco, I think, was in 10.5. Oh, amazing. And yeah. A, a so, time so we, capsule. It, it's a late 90s, early, or it's an early 2000s one about the San Andreas Fault splitting in half. So I would love for us to revisit more of these. Um, yes. If you guys are on board with it. Please be on board. <laughs> and we'll see y'all back next week. See you on the actu- on the eve of destruction. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>